Good evening. Welcome to the Sleepy Time Broadcast. Stories designed for sleep. In each episode, I will read a piece of literature in a slow and comforting way, in the hopes that I can send you off to dreamland. If you would like to support this podcast and other projects by Three Pound Magician, consider signing up for the Patreon. You'll get episodes early and ad-free, plus other perks only available to patrons. Now, let's get you to sleep. This time, we will be using the first two chapters of Ozma of Oz by Frank Baum. So, let's take a moment to relax. Get comfortable. Snuggle into the covers. And let's take some deep breaths. Now, I will begin tonight's story. Chapter 1. The Girl in the Chicken Coop The wind blew hard and jogged the water of the ocean, sending ripples across its surface. Then the wind pushed the edges of the ripples until they became waves and shoved the waves around until they became billows. The billows rolled dreadfully high, higher even than the tops of houses. Some of them, indeed, rolled as high as the tops of tall trees and seemed like mountains, and the gulfs between the great billows were like deep valleys. All this mad dashing and splashing of the waters of the big ocean, which the mischievous wind caused without any good reason whatever, resulted in a terrible storm, and a storm on the ocean is liable to cut many queer pranks and do a lot of damage. At the time the wind began to blow, a ship was sailing far out upon the waters. When the waves began to tumble and toss and to grow bigger and bigger, the ship rolled up and down and tipped sideways first one way and then the other, and was jostled around so roughly that even the sailor men had to hold fast to the ropes and railings to keep themselves from being swept away by the wind or pitched headlong into the sea. And the clouds were so thick in the sky that the sunlight couldn't get through them so that the day grew dark as night, which added to the terrors of the storm. The captain of the ship was not afraid, because he had seen storms before, and had sailed his ship through them in safety. But he knew that his passengers would be in danger if they tried to stay on deck, so he put them all into the cabin and told them to stay there 
until after the storm was over, and to keep brave hearts and not be scared, and all would be well with them. Now, among these passengers was a little Kansas girl named Dorothy Gale, who was going with her Uncle Henry to Australia to visit some relatives they had never seen before. Uncle Henry, you must know, was not very well, because he had been working so hard on his Kansas farm that his health had given way and left him weak and nervous. So he left Aunt Em at home to watch after the hired men and take care of the farm while he traveled far away to Australia to visit his cousins and have a good rest. Dorothy was eager to go with him on his journey, and Uncle Henry thought she would be good company and help cheer him up, so he decided to take her along. The little girl was quite an experienced traveler, for she had once been carried by a cyclone as far away from home as the marvelous land of Oz, and she had met with a good many adventures in that strange country before she managed to get back to Kansas again. So she wasn't easily frightened, whatever happened, and when the wind began to howl and whistle, and the waves began to tumble and toss, our little girl didn't mind the uproar the least bit. Of course, we'll have to stay in the cabin, she said to Uncle Henry and the other passengers, and keep as quiet as possible until the storm is over, for the captain says if we go on deck, we may be blown overboard. No one wanted to risk such an accident as that, you may be sure. So all the passengers stayed huddled up in the dark cabin, listening to the shrieking of the storm and the creaking of the masts and rigging and trying to keep from bumping into one another when the ship tipped sideways. Dorothy had almost fallen asleep when she was aroused with a start to find that Uncle Henry was missing. She couldn't imagine where he had gone, and as he was not very strong, she began to worry about him, and to fear he might have been careless enough to go on deck. In that case, he would be in great danger unless he instantly came down again. The fact was that Uncle Henry had gone to lie down in his little sleeping berth, but Dorothy did not know that. She only remembered that Aunt Em had cautioned her to take good care of her uncle, so at once she decided to go on deck and find him. In spite of the fact that the tempest was now worse than ever, and the ship was plunging in a really dreadful manner. Indeed, the little girl found it was as much as she could do to mount the stairs to the deck, and as soon as she got there, the wind struck her so fiercely 
that it almost tore away the skirts of her dress. Yet Dorothy felt a sort of joyous excitement in defying the storm, and while she held fast to the railing, she peered around through the gloom and thought she saw the dim form of a man clinging to a mast not far away from her. This might be her uncle, so she called as loudly as she could, Uncle Henry, Uncle Henry. But the wind screeched and howled so madly that she scarce heard her own voice, and the man certainly failed to hear her, for he did not move. Dorothy decided she must go to him, so she made a dash forward, during a lull in the storm, to where a big square chicken coop had been lashed to the deck with ropes. She reached this place in safety, but no sooner had she seized fast hold of the slats of the big box in which the chickens were kept than the wind, as if enraged because the little girl dared to resist its power, suddenly redoubled its fury. With a scream like that of an angry giant, it tore away the ropes that held the coop and lifted it high into the air, with Dorothy still clinging to the slats. Around and over it whirled, this way and that, and a few moments later, the chicken coop dropped far away into the sea, where the big waves caught it and slid it uphill to a foaming crest, and then downhill into a deep valley, as if it were nothing more than a plaything to keep them amused. Dorothy had a good ducking, you may be sure, but she didn't lose her presence of mind even for a second. She kept tight hold of the stout slats, and as soon as she could get the water out of her eyes, she saw that the wind had ripped the cover from the coop, and the poor chickens were fluttering away in every direction, being blown by the wind until they looked like feather dusters without handles. The bottom of the coop was made of thick boards, so Dorothy found she was clinging to a sort of raft with sides of slats which readily bore up her weight. After coughing the water out of her throat and getting her breath again, she managed to climb over the slats and stand upon the firm wooden bottom of the coop, which supported her easily enough. Why, I've got a ship of my own, she thought, more amused than frightened at her sudden change of condition. And then, as the coop climbed up the top of a big wave, she looked eagerly around for the ship from which she had been blown. It was far, far away by this time. Perhaps no one on board had yet missed her, 
or knew of her strange adventure. Down into the valley between the waves the coop swept her, and when she climbed another crest the ship looked like a toy boat. It was such a long way off. Soon it had entirely disappeared in the gloom, and then Dorothy gave a sigh of regret at parting with Uncle Henry and began to wonder what was going to happen to her next. Just now she was tossing on the bosom of a big ocean with nothing to keep her afloat but a miserable wooden hen coop that had a plank bottom and slatted sides through which the water constantly splashed and wetted her through to the skin. And there was nothing to eat when she became hungry, as she was sure to do before long, and no fresh water to drink, and no dry clothes to put on. Well, I declare, she exclaimed with a laugh, you're in a pretty fix, Dorothy Gell, I can tell you and I haven't the least idea how you're going to get out of it. As if to add to her troubles, the night was now creeping on, and the gray clouds overhead changed to inky blackness. But the wind, as if satisfied at last with its mischievous pranks, stopped blowing this ocean and hurried away to another part of the world to blow something else, so that the waves, not being jogged any more, began to quiet down and behave themselves. It was lucky for Dorothy, I think, that the storm subsided. Otherwise, brave though she was, I fear she might have perished. Many children in her place would have wept and given way to despair, but because Dorothy had encountered so many adventures and come safely through them, it did not occur to her at this time to be especially afraid. She was wet and uncomfortable, it is true, but... After sighing that one sigh I told you of, she managed to recall some of her customary cheerfulness and decided to patiently await whatever her fate might be. By and by the black clouds rolled away and showed a blue sky overhead with a silver moon shining sweetly in the middle of it, and little stars winking merrily at Dorothy when she looked their way. The coop did not toss around anymore, but rode the waves more gently, almost like a cradle rocking, so that the floor upon which Dorothy stood was no longer swept by water coming through the slats. Seeing this, and being quite exhausted by the excitement of the past few hours, 
the little girl decided that sleep would be the best thing to restore her strength and the easiest way in which she could pass the time. The floor was damp, and she was herself wringing wet. But fortunately, this was a warm climate, and she did not feel at all cold. So she sat down in a corner of the coop, leaned her back against the slats, nodded at the friendly stars before she closed her eyes and was asleep in half a minute. Chapter 2 The Yellow Hen A strange noise awoke Dorothy, who opened her eyes to find that the day had dawned and the sun was shining brightly in a clear sky. She had been dreaming that she was back in Kansas again and playing in the old barnyard with the calves and the pigs and the chickens all around her. And at first, as she rubbed the sleep from her eyes, she really imagined she was there. Cut, 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 cut-daw, cut, 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 cut-daw, cut. Ah, here again was that strange noise that had awakened her. Surely it was a hen cackling. But her wide-open eyes first saw, through the slats of the coop, the blue waves of the ocean, now calm and placid, and her thoughts flew back to the past night, so full of danger and discomfort. Also, she began to remember that she was a waif of the storm, adrift upon a treacherous and unknown sea. Cut, cut, cut. Cada, cut. What's that? cried Dorothy, startling to her feet. Why, I've just laid an egg, that's all, replied a small but sharp and distinct voice. And looking around her, the little girl discovered a yellow hen squatting in the opposite corner of the coop. Dear me, she exclaimed in surprise, have you been here all night too? Of course, answered the hen, fluttering her wings and yawning. When the coop blew away from the ship, I clung fast to this corner with claws and beak, for I knew if I fell into the water, I'd surely be drowned. Indeed, I nearly drowned as it was, with all the water washing over me. I was never so wet before in my life. Yes, agreed Dorothy. It was pretty wet for a time, I know. But do you feel comfortable now? Not very. The sun has helped to dry my feathers as it has your dress, and I feel better since I laid my morning egg. But what's to become of us? I should like to know, afloat on this big pond. 
I'd like to know that too, said Dorothy. But tell me, how does it happen that you are able to talk? I thought hens could only cluck and cackle. Why, as for that, answered the yellow hen thoughtfully, I've clucked and cackled all my life and never spoken a word before this morning, but I can remember. But when you asked a question a minute ago, it seemed the most natural thing in the world to answer you. So I spoke, and I seemed to keep on speaking, so as you and other human beings do. Strange, isn't it? Very, replied Dorothy. If we were in the land of Oz, I wouldn't think it so queer, because many of the animals can talk in that fairy country. But out here, in the ocean, must be a long way from Oz. How is my grammar? asked the yellow hen anxiously. Do I speak quite properly in your judgment? Yes, said Dorothy. You do very well for a beginner. I'm glad to know that, continued the yellow hen in a confidential tone, because if one is going to talk, it's best to talk correctly. The red rooster has often said my cluck and cackle were quite perfect, and now it's a comfort to know I am talking properly. I'm beginning to get hungry, remarked Dorothy. It's breakfast time, but there's no breakfast. You may have my egg, said the yellow hen. I don't care for it, you know. Don't you want to hatch it? asked the little girl in surprise. No, indeed. I never care to hatch eggs unless I've a nice snug nest in some quiet place with a baker's dozen of eggs under me. That's thirteen, you know, and it's the lucky number for hens, so you may as well eat this egg. Oh, I couldn't possibly eat it unless it was cooked, exclaimed Dorothy, but I'm much obliged for your kindness just the same. Don't mention it, my dear, answered the hen calmly and began pruning her feathers. For a moment, Dorothy stood looking out over the wide sea. She was still thinking of the egg, though. So presently she asked, Why do you lay eggs when you don't expect to hatch them? It's a habit I have, replied the yellow hen. It has always been my pride to lay a fresh egg every morning, except when I'm molting. I never feel like having my morning cackle till the egg is properly laid, and without the chance to cackle, I would not be happy. It's strange, said the girl reflectively. But as I'm not a hen, 
I can't be expected to understand that. Certainly not, my dear. Then Dorothy fell silent again. The yellow hen was some company, and a bit of comfort, too. But it was dreadfully lonely out on the big ocean, nevertheless. After a time, the hen flew up and perched upon the topmost slat of the coop, which was a little above Dorothy's head when she was sitting upon the bottom, as she had been doing for some moments past. Why, we are not far from land, exclaimed the hen. Where, where is it, cried Dorothy, jumping up in great excitement. Over there a little way, answered the hen, nodding her head in a certain direction. We seem to be drifting toward it, so that before noon, we ought to find ourselves upon dry land again. I shall like that, said Dorothy with a little sigh, for her feet and legs were still wetted now and then by the sea water that came through the open slats. So shall I, answered her companion. There is nothing in the world so miserable as a wet hen. The land, which they seemed to be rapidly approaching, since it grew more distinct every minute, was quite beautiful as viewed by the little girl in the floating hen coop. Next to the water was a broad beach of white sand and gravel, and further back were several rocky hills, while beyond these appeared a strip of green trees that marked the edge of a forest. But there were no houses to be seen, nor any sign of people who might inhabit this unknown land. I hope we shall find something to eat, said Dorothy, looking eagerly at the pretty beach toward which they drifted. It's long past breakfast time now. I'm a trifle hungry myself, declared the yellow hen. Why don't you eat the egg? asked the child. You don't need to have your food cooked as I do. Do you take me for a cannibal? cried the hen indignantly. I do not know what I have said or done that leads you to insult me. I beg your pardon. I'm sure Mrs. Mrs. By the way, may I inquire your name, ma'am? asked the little girl. My name is Bill said the yellow hen, somewhat gruffly. Bill? Why, that's a boy's name. What difference does it make? You're a lady hen, aren't you? Of course, but when I was first hatched out, no one could tell whether I was going to be a hen or a rooster. So the little boy at the farm where I was born called me Bill and made a pet of me, because I was the only yellow chicken in the whole brood. When I grew up, and he found that I didn't crow and fight, as all the roosters do, 
he did not think to change my name, and every creature in the barnyard, as well as the people in the house, knew me as Bill. So Bill I've always been called, and Bill is my name. But it's all wrong, you know, declared Dorothy earnestly, and if you don't mind, I shall call you Billina. Putting the Ina on the end makes it a girl's name, you see. Oh, I don't mind it in the least, returned the yellow hen. It doesn't matter at all what you call me, so long as I know the name means me. Very well, Billina. My name is Dorothy Gale. Just Dorothy to my friends and Miss Gale to strangers. You may call me Dorothy, if you like. We're getting very near the shore. Do you suppose it is too deep for me to wade the rest of the way? Wait a few minutes longer. The sunshine is warm and pleasant, and we are in no hurry. But my feet are all wet and soggy, said the girl. My dress is dry enough, but I don't feel comfortable till I get my feet dried. She waited, however, as the hen advised, and before long the big wooden coop grated gently on the sandy beach, and the dangerous voyage was over. It did not take the castaways long to reach the shore, you may be sure. The yellow hen flew to the sands at once, but Dorothy had to climb over the high slats. Still, for a country girl, that was not much of a feat, and as soon as she was safe ashore, Dorothy drew her wet clothes and stockings and spread them upon the sun-warmed beach to dry. Then she sat down and watched Bellina, who was pick-pecking away with her sharp bill in the sand and gravel, which she scratched up and turned over with her strong claws. What are you doing? asked Dorothy. Getting my breakfast, of course, murmured the hen, busily pecking away. What do you find? inquired the girl curiously. Oh, some fat red ants and some sand bugs, and once in a while a tiny crab. They are very sweet and nice, I assure you. How dreadful, exclaimed Dorothy in a shocked voice. What is dreadful? asked the hen, lifting her head to gaze one bright eye at her companion. Why, eating live things and horrid bugs and crawly ants, you ought to be shamed of yourself. Goodness me, returned the hen in a puzzled tone. How queer you are, Dorothy. Live things are much fresher and more wholesome than dead ones, and you humans eat all sorts of dead creatures. We don't, said Dorothy. You do indeed, 
answered Billina. You eat lambs and sheep and cows and pigs and even chickens. But we cook them, said Dorothy triumphantly. What difference does that make? A good deal, said the girl in a graver tone. I can't explain the difference, but it's there. And, anyhow, we never eat such dreadful things as bugs. But you eat the chickens that eat the bugs, retorted the yellow hen with an odd cackle. So you are just as bad as we chickens are. This made Dorothy thoughtful. What Bellina said was true enough, and it almost took away her appetite for breakfast. As for the yellow hen, she continued to peck away at the sand busily and seemed quite contented with her bill of fare. Finally, down near the water's edge, Bellina stuck her bill deep into the sand and then drew back and shivered. Ow, she cried. I struck metal that time, and it nearly broke my beak. It probably was a rock, said Dorothy carelessly. Nonsense. I know a rock from metal, I guess, said the hen. There's a different feel to it. But there couldn't be any metal on this wild, deserted seashore, persisted the girl. Where's the place? I'll dig it up and prove to you I'm right. Belina showed her the place where she had stubbed her bill, as she expressed it, and Dorothy dug away the sand until she felt something hard. Then, thrusting in her hand, she pulled the thing out and discovered it to be a large-sized golden key, rather old, but still bright and of perfect shape. What did I tell you? cried the hen, with a cackle of triumph. Can I tell metal when I bump into it? Or is this thing a rock? It's metal, sure enough, answered the child, gazing thoughtfully at the curious thing she had found. I think it is pure gold, and it must have lain hidden in the sand for a long time. How do you suppose it came here, Bellina? And what do you suppose this mysterious key unlocks? I can't say, replied the hen. You ought to know more about locks and keys than I do. Dorothy glanced around. There was no sign of any house in that part of the country, and she reasoned that every key must fit a lock, and every lock must have a purpose. Perhaps the key had been lost by somebody who lived far away, but had wandered on this very shore. Musing on these things, the girl put the key in the pocket of her dress and then slowly drew on her shoes and stockings, 
which the sun had fully dried. I believe, Belina, she said, I'll have a look round and see if I can find some breakfast. Well, we definitely wish Dorothy lots of luck in surviving her current situation. That is where we end tonight. Good night, and until next time, sweet dreams. <laughs>